Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered for all the odds, props, promos, and parlays during the biggest gambling week of the year, March Madness, Rounds 1 and 2, it should be a national holiday. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous Tuesday, March 14th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Let's talk about NFL free agency. It's a big, big week in the NFL. Going all the way back to Friday when a Friday news dump came in that the Chicago Bears were trading the number one pick to Carolina for the number nine pick and a future first round pick and a future second round pick and the 49ers pick in this year's draft and DJ Moore. It was all coming together for the the Carolina Panthers to move up to number one and for the Chicago Bears to potentially get a star edge rusher and also get a whole bunch of shots at the board. Juju Talk Sports from the Slump Buster podcast and I are going to talk about that coming up later on the show. And of course, we've got all the free agent news in the NFL from what the NFL has basically turned into their equivalent of day one of free agency in the NBA. So that's the story of the day. And the first place we got to start is with Jimmy Garoppolo, which means we got to hit the Jimmy Garoppolo theme song that we created last year, set to the theme song from the 1993 movie Groundhog Day, Who's your quarterback, Las Vegas? Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change If you don't throw check downs You're gonna take a sack Jimmy G is warming up Yeah, he's your quarterback No don't throw it interceptions drive us all insane phones are calling ron rivera wants to make a trade if a rookie qb isn't in your plans just call san francisco up they got your quarterback They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had 
get a ring If your team's rebuilding Talent's what you lack Trade two picks for Jimmy G Now he's your quarterback Las Vegas, your new quarterback is indeed Jimmy Garoppolo. San Francisco, I would like to congratulate you on being freed from the curse of Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory. Congratulations. Two years ago, San Francisco had spent two seasons debating whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy to get them over the hump. Pre-pandemic which is officially three years ago on Saturday. March 11th, 2020 was the day that Tom Hanks tested positive for COVID and the NBA shut down and we started going into lockdowns and spent the weekend closing down the world. Three years ago this week was the last time any 49ers fan was 100% confident that Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback of the future. They traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance And Jimmy Garoppolo started for two more seasons in San Francisco because that's just how ridiculous Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory has been. Now, granted, 49ers fans have been removed from Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory and now have Nick Foles syndrome with Brock Purdy. So it's not like you're free from the plague of just not knowing what to do with the quarterback position. You are at least freed from Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory. And for the Raiders... Oh boy, I have got jokes. I have got jokes for you because we showed on this podcast that since Derek Carr entered the league in 2014, he has been the most average quarterback in the NFL. Derek Carr, nine-year averages in these statistics compared to the NFL averages since 2019. So the last four NFL seasons, compared to the nine-year averages of Derek Carr. Passing yards, Derek Carr, 274.1. NFL average, 248. Completion percentage, Derek Carr, 64.2%. NFL average, 64.3%. QBR, NFL average, 91.6. Derek Carr, 91.4. Yards per completion, NFL average, 7.1. Derek Carr, 7.1. Derek Carr is the most average quarterback in the NFL, and he's also the greatest quarterback in the history of the, the Raiders franchise. Spent nine seasons with the Raiders, had an emotional farewell, had an awkward Pro Bowl after the farewell where he was like bad-mouthing the Raiders but not bad-mouthing the Raiders. Derek Carr ends up leaving from their own version of purgatory because every year for the past four years has been a question of is this the year Derek Carr is going to get moved on from the Raiders. I'm still shocked that Derek Carr outlasted John Gruden when John Gruden's first message as new Raiders coach was that they were looking to upgrade at the quarterback position because Gruden was this quarterback whisperer guy. And Derek Carr outlasted 10-year contract John Gruden in Las Vegas. And they moved on from Derek Carr to save a bunch of money and they immediately went to Jimmy Garoppolo purgatory. They were just like, the evil we know is better than the evil that we don't know. We're going to take Diet Derek Carr. We're going to take discounted Derek Carr. It's not that we don't like Derek Carr being our quarterback. It's just that Derek Carr was too expensive. So we'll take cheaper Derek Carr and just slide him in and be exactly the same team as last year. Because as of 1230 West Coast time, On Monday, the Raiders have made not a single other move besides bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. Not a single move. And I have said this consistently for two years. This Raiders roster is not talented enough to win. The defense has too many lapses. And if you miss on as many draft picks as they had during the John Gruden-Mike Mayock regime where they're picking Cleland Furl over Josh Allen, uh, Alex Leatherwood in the first round, 
of the draft. Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs, obviously for different circumstances with both. When you just miss, they drafted Lynn Bowden in the third round. He never even played a single game for them because they traded him to the Dolphins. Like when you're getting this poor value on all of these players, it's going to not work out because you just can't sustain. In order to have a team that has competence, you can't miss on every single draft pick. When you have a top five pick in the draft, that player should be a guaranteed impact player. If they're not, you messed up real bad. The Raiders messed up real bad with Cleveland Furl. They messed up real bad with uh, Alex Leatherwood. And we talked about this when we did our uh, Raiders eulogy back in the end of December, which is the players that you currently have that were great value, Hunter Renfro in the fifth round, Darren Waller, an undrafted guy who signed to a long-term extension, who they then tried to trade this year. Um, guys like Max Crosby, maximize their value while you have a chance. Because the team just can't compete and they don't have the means to compete. And the Raiders said, we're not even trying to compete. <laughs> we're just going to take Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, this is only because of right now they have Jimmy Garoppolo and have not done anything else. If they draft a quarterback with the seven pick in the draft, regardless of whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or maybe just maybe Bryce Young will fall. If they draft a quarterback in the first round... I reserve the right to change this point. You could have had Lamar fucking Jackson. And you chose Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not even trying. And it's so funny that they're not even trying. Because look, the Raiders, I've said this consistently about the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. You play in a division with Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football, and Andy Reid, the greatest offensive coach in the history of football. Some can say Bill Walsh. Andy Reid wins by having a longer resume than Bill Walsh. And, by the way, a Kansas City team that just signed Jawan Taylor to a you know $20 million contract that's not really a $20 million contract because all these things are manipulative in the salary cap world. But they signed Jawan Taylor to be their right tackle of the future. And that's a super interesting signing only because Jawan Taylor, for those who don't remember in the 2019 draft, was talked about as a top 10 prospect and fell to the second round of the draft kind of inexplicably. Like there wasn't any reason that he fell. It just kind of worked out that way that he was a top 10 prospect. Blake Jude had mocked him at the top of the draft and he just happened to fall to the second round and the Jaguars picked him up. He went from second round, first round prospect at second round prices, hit free agency after four years because he didn't have a fifth year option and immediately picked up by Kansas City. And so Kansas City's getting a previous top 10 prospect who has performed to the expectations of a top 10 prospect. And they're now just going to plug him in at right tackle. And I think that's going to make Kansas City infinitely better because it was Andrew Wiley playing mostly... It was a stopgap Andrew Wiley in place of Eric Fisher for the past couple seasons or last season, and Eric Fisher played in 2021 before he tore his Achilles, or coming back from the torn Achilles. But Kansas City brought in a right tackle to add to that team that's already constructed the way it is. The Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers, I've said the same thing consistently. We said it at the end of the season. It's still true. Look, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. You play in a division with Kansas City. You're all poorly run organizations. There's basically nothing you can do to catch Kansas City for eight years. Maybe maybe the Chargers will nick them once for the AFC West title, but for eight years, basically nothing you can do to touch that team. There is no amount of Devontae Adams trades, no amount of Russell Wilson trades, no amount of drafting guys in the first round like Rashawn Slater, but also drafting Kenneth Murray. No amount of moves you can make will get you to be Kansas City. That doesn't mean you don't have to not try. Like, the Las Vegas, Lamar Jackson is right fucking there. And even if you don't take Lamar Jackson, like, ex I expected that they would draft a, a quarterback, and they still might draft a quarterback at the top of the draft. If Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback and their backup is Teddy Bridgewater, or their backup is Marcus Mariota again, 
if that's the game plan, like, you're not even trying, man. <laughs> and the thing is, like, the team's not good enough on paper. The team wasn't good enough on paper when they had the ridiculous 10-win team that got a 5-seed in the playoff because they won, like, 7 one-possession games and the Colts collapsed and the Chargers prisoners dilemma themselves out of the playoffs. Remember that two years ago when John Gruden got fired for being a bigot publicly and they still made the playoffs? Henry Ruggs killed someone and Damon Arnett was cut by the team. Like, they basically made the playoffs because they also, during all of that season, had just a ridiculously good run of one-possession games. And then this year with literally the exact same offense and a defense that was slightly worse. By the way, last year's Raiders offense scored one more point per game than the Raiders offense the year before. And their defense gave up about two more points per game. And their DVOA ranking was better last year than the year they made the playoffs. They were 19th. They were 18th this year. Basically the exact same team. The only thing you changed for the Raiders last year was... They just lost five games in which they had a 10-point lead. And that's how they ended up 6-11 and 11 and with the 7 pick in the draft. But that team, really, if you average both of those out, that's a 8-9 team one year and a 9-8 and eight team another year. That's basically, if you average it out, they are a they are an 8-9 and nine team. Because they went 10-7 and seven, and then they went 6-11. and 11. They're basically an 8-9 and nine team on paper. For two seasons straight, they've been an 8-9 and nine team on paper. They have done nothing to change the roster except add Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo does not elevate your team. (laughs) We have so much evidence that shows Jimmy Garoppolo does not elevate your team. The most recent of which is that Brock Purdy came in and was immediately better than Jimmy Garoppolo. They both played six games in that Niners system. Jimmy G was a top 10 quarterback. Brock Purdy was the best quarterback in the NFL statistically. Quantifiable evidence that Brock Purdy was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, Jimmy Garoppolo does not make your team better. Jimmy Garoppolo adds nothing of value to your team. And they don't. by the way, the Raiders don't even believe it. Because they gave him a three-year deal with only $34 million guaranteed. Most of which I'm going to bet you is on the first year of the contract. So that they can get out of the contract at the end of next year if their star quarterback comes available. They just took a stopgap option. And look, it's a better stopgap than Mitchell Trubisky on the Steelers. It's a better stopgap than Andy Dalton on the Bears. And they're paying them such. Andy Dalton got $3 million that year that he was there in place of Justin Fields when they signed Andy Dalton and drafted a rookie. Mitchell Trubisky, they uh, dra- they signed him as a free agent and then drafted Kenny Pickett two months later. The Raiders might totally do that. They, they gave Jimmy Garoppolo a contract and they might draft a rookie with the seven pick in the draft. Totally plausible. In fact, very likely and when they do that, we can reevaluate the status of the Las Vegas Raiders. But man, if the Ra- if this is all the Raiders do, they're not even trying. <laughs> they're not even trying. And look, I commend them for their efforts because they there's nothing they can do to be Kansas City. And so I look at the Raiders, I'm like, eh, you know what? There's nothing you can do to be Kansas City. And the Raiders agree. <laughs> the Raiders agreed. But the thing is, they don't want to tear this thing all the way to the ground because they just did that three years ago. John Gruden tore that shit to the ground. 2018, they they were just a futile team. 2019, they were a bad football team. Granted, they were a better football team than they were last year, but they were just a futile football team in 2019. 2020, they missed the playoffs. And then 2021, when John Gruden gets fired for being a public bigot, they happened to fluke their way into the playoffs with a team that wasn't good enough to make it. And so the Raiders, after four years of that, last year was kind of like the, oh, we got to try and salvage this thing, and they didn't salvage it. They missed the playoffs. Because again, when you miss on draft picks three years in a row, or four years in a row, and pretty big ones like the four pick in the draft being Cleland Furl instead of Josh Allen, the linebacker, like when you fuck up four years in a row on draft picks, it's just it's unsustainable because you just don't have the talent to get over the edge. And their get out of jail free card was kinda Devontae Adams. Cause even though they went between Derek Carr and Jarrett Stidham last year, Devontae Adams balled out. Like Devontae Adams made first team all pro on the Raiders without a quarterback. 
and made first team all pro with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback and two completely different teams like Devontae Adams was worth every draft pick that they traded and every dollar that they paid him Devontae Adams was awesome and maybe he was their get out of jail free card that would turn that thing around but you know what's another good get out of jail free card giving up two first round picks for Lamar Jackson because if you fucked up four years worth of draft picks Trade three years worth of first round picks for Lamar Jackson and Devontae Adams because those dudes aren't fuck ups. And even if the Raiders don't get to be Kansas City, because even just adding Lamar Jackson to that roster is not good enough, and they might not be able to support Lamar Jackson because they are not a well run organization. If they choose to go get Lamar Jackson, at least you would be fucking trying. <laughs> like, the Raiders are looking up like. We would rather have stopgap Jimmy Garoppolo and draft a quarterback in the first round. Okay, I can get behind that strategy, but I can also get behind using that first round pick to and using one next year to go get Lamar Jackson. Like right now, Lamar Jackson is awesome and the Raiders want to compete right now. And whether they should or not, that's another question. I mean, I articulated that, like, you can do both. You can trade Darren Waller. You can trade Hunter Renfro. You can trade Max Crosby. Get draft picks and, like, get 10 draft picks worth of value and then build something new on the fly because you still have talented players. And if you do that strategy, Jimmy Garoppolo as a stopgap is not a bad option. Rebuilding on the fly is not as is not as impossible as some make it seem, especially when you have players of value like Crosby, like Renfro, and like Waller, who are better off as trade pieces than as players on your team right now. Because you've got a better chance of finding another Wall. I mean, Waller's a freak of nature, but he was cut by the Ravens, and part of that is is he was dealing with drug problems and like he was dealing with deep addiction that he talked about on Hard Knocks and he's talked about in the years since of like. Yeah, addiction was the thing that was keeping me from being the player that I am now. And he got married to Kelsey Plum over the uh, weekend a couple weekends ago. And that was a cool story that I'm sure is filled with love and redemption from Waller's standpoint. Darren Waller, even him, you've got like from a from a cold cut team building standpoint, clearly you've got a better chance of finding another Hunter Renfro than you do of finding another Josh Allen on the Jaguars. Clearly, you've got a better chance of finding another Max Crosby. You might even find it with the top pick in this year's draft. If you get the seven pick and uh, I, Blake Jude likes Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, if Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is there at seven, you just found your next Max Crosby. Flip Max Crosby for something good and use those pieces to build something that includes trading some of those picks for Lamar fucking Jackson. He's right there for you. Go get Lamar Jackson. If you're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round, which, like, again, damned if you do, damned if you don't, I understand the Raiders' decision to draft a quarterback in the first round. If the only if it's between Lamar Jackson and draft a quarterback in the first round, I can get behind either way. If it's, we're going to draft an edge rusher, run it back, and have Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback, man, that's just, you're just lying to yourselves. You're not even trying. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo is our quarterback next year and we don't have another option after him, so he might be our quarterback the year after, that's not a long-term option. The Raiders don't even believe that's a long-term option. They only gave him $34 million guaranteed. So, like, who are you who are you kidding yourselves with on this one? Like, if you are if you are bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo and you're the Raiders, it's just it's so clear-cut to me that they should be looking to retool this thing on the fly. And that includes trading for Lamar Jackson with some of those players and picks that you have at your disposal. It's not like you've dumped all your picks already like the Broncos. You have all your picks, including the seven pick in this year's draft. You've got that. You've got Max Crosby, who is much more valuable as a trade piece than he is as your edge rusher right now. Like, you can make this thing happen. And you don't even have to part with Max Crosby to get Lamar Jackson. So if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking up, I'm just like, dude, you're not even trying at this point. And again, change judgment changes if they draft Anthony Richardson at seven, or they draft Will Levis at seven, or say Bryce Young falls to seven and they luck into him. 
Like, yeah, reserve the right to change my opinion if they draft a quarterback at seven and that becomes their long-term plan because they probably should have done that four years ago. If Jimmy Garoppolo is just an expensive stopgap, then I think they're using their resources correctly at the quarterback position. If he's the only guy you bring in, you're just, you're not even trying. Because <laughs> I can justify Garoppolo and a rookie. I can't justify just Garoppolo over Lamar Jackson, regardless of the price, regardless of the trade, because it's Lamar fucking Jackson. Like, what are we talking about with this? It's Lamar Jackson. Raiders, come on now. You you have Lamar Jackson right there, especially if you're going to use one of your first-round picks on a quarterback anyways. Yeah, you might believe in Anthony Richardson. I believe in Lamar Jackson a lot more than Anthony Richardson by, a, by about a value of two first-round picks. I would give up two extra first-round picks to guarantee myself Lamar Jackson as compared to taking a shot at Anthony Richardson. Especially if you're trying to compete now with the core of the players that you have that's already not good enough because it's an eight-win team on paper. So if you've got an eight-win team on paper and you still have Devontae Adams and you've got massive financial flexibility because your defense is just like Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, and a bunch of rudderless safeties, then just go for it. (laughs) Just go for it. With Lamar Jackson and Josh Jacobs and and Devontae Adams. Just go for it, man. Instead, they went for Jimmy fucking Garoppolo. And it's funny. It's funny. Good on Jimmy for getting that one last, you know, two more years as a starter. Because Jimmy's in year six as a starting quarterback. And he spent four years as a backup. So he's basically, by the logic of he's a decent NFL starter... He's, he's in the Andy Dalton Bears stage of his career. But if, the, if their only plan is Andy Dalton Bears, like they're doing right now with Garoppolo, congratulations on your 7-10 and 10 season because you're just not even trying. And you have the money and you have the draft picks and you're just not even trying. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. All right, we are going to get to some of the other news and notes around free agency day one. Also, Juju Talk Sports and I are going to talk about that Bears and Panthers trade, so make sure you stay tuned. What else happened here on day one? So, 
The Bears throwing around money like it's nobody's business, which, you know, probably a good idea. You have the money. You spent two years trying to put yourself in this position. Throw around some money, Bears. You're like the 2020 Patriots or the 2021 Jaguars. Throw that money around in free agency. Build yourself a nice little team. Congratulations, Bears. Uh, Buffalo traded in Tremaine Edmonds for Connor McGovern, which these are the decisions you have to make when Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs go from making $20 million combined to $50 million combined, as they will this season. You lose a Tremaine Edmonds here, and you sign a Connor McGovern to protect Josh Allen a little bit. 49ers kind of did the same thing. They went Javon Hargrave at $20 million a year on the defensive line while letting Mike McGlinchey walk in free agency, which priorities are priorities. So it's not the end of the world that they took a position of need, which was interior defensive line, and now they're going to have Kinlaw for one more year and Hargrave next to him, and they're going to have a hole at, at right tackle that may or may not get filled by some draft picks and cheap free agent acquisitions. So those are the, the the pros and cons of this game of free agency when you're working with limited resources, like the 49ers now are, I guess, because Debo got an extension and Kittle got an extension and Bosa got an extension and the salary cap exists, but for some teams it just doesn't matter. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. San Francisco making the necessary trades, Broncos just throwing a bunch of money at left tackles, which like, God, every year the Broncos throw money at a left tackle. I know McGlinchey's going to play right tackle for the Broncos, but this is like the fourth year in a row the Broncos have signed a big offensive tackle to an extension. So congratulations, Denver, on needing to sign another offensive lineman to a giant contract. Jesse Bates ended up going to the Falcons. Blake Jude called it on our mock draft 1.0 a couple weeks ago. He told us, hey, Jesse Bates is going to be a Falcon. He's, he's plugged into that Cincinnati Bengals organization. He's got sources. He's following the information. Bates had been working out with Falcons for the last month or so. He, he was plugged in, man. Jesse Bates ended up on the Falcons for exactly the contract Blake Jude told us it would be. So we got insider sourcing that told us Jesse Bates was going to be a Falcon. Patrick Peterson ended up going to the Steelers, which, you know, cool. Pittsburgh's top defense ain't really a top defense anymore. I feel like it went from Devin Bush being a star interior linebacker to just being a dude who kind of felt like a bust because they had to trade up in the draft to get him. Just felt like ever since the Devin Bush pick... From going from being a star in 2019 to kind of just being a dude now, feels like with the decline of Devin Bush has been the decline of the Steelers' defense. Like that, uh, that star defense that carried the rotting corpse of Ben Roethlisberger to the playoffs two years in a row. That uh, that defense is not the same as it once was, and now they're kind of just dropping Patrick Peterson in to see if they can squeeze anything more out of his career at this point. That's the big free agent moves there. Now let's roll along with our friend Juju Talk Sports to break down the Bears and the Panthers trade, a trade where I don't know who I trust less to get this correct, but I'm going to side with the Bears because the Bears get more shots at the board, and in drafting, sometimes having more shots at the board is the more important thing because the Panthers, they mess this stuff up all the time. And the Panthers have been terrible and poorly run ever since Teppers took over. Sam Darnold is their winningest quarterback post-Cam Newton. They've finished with the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth worst records in the league the past four years. At one point, they were like 3-27 and in games after October 11th under the Ron Rivera-David Teppers regime. And then the Matt Rule-David Teppers regime. And... I'm going to trust that the Bears, who are going to have more shots at the board, are going to get this thing right compared to Carolina, who's got one shot to get it right with a quarterback that's probably going to end up being C.J. Stroud. So, with that being said, Chicago Bears and Carolina Panthers trade analysis with Juju Talk Sports. And since we're talking about the Chicago Bears, let's play The Bears Still Suck. Bears Still Suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. The 
This only goes wrong for the Carolina Panthers if, fill in the blank for me. Well, I can see a lot of ways this goes wrong for the Carolina Panthers because never underestimate the Carolina Panthers' ability to screw something up because Carolina over the past four years has consistently been in the purgatory of we're not bad enough to tank, but we're not good enough to compete. I believe they've had in the past four years of the Tepper ownership, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth pick in the NFL draft. And now Carolina has decided we're going to trade everything to go and get the number one pick in the draft. And from what we understand, and presumably draft CJ Stroud with the number one pick. And I think that that is an interesting strategy. I think it can go wrong if CJ Stroud is not a generational quarterback, or at the very least, not a quarterback worth keeping for 10 seasons. Not that they can't dig themselves out of the hole, but it will set the franchise back many, many years if CJ Stroud does not turn into something very wonderful for the Panthers. Does it at all shock you that they decided to go all in on this year when, yeah, CJ Stroud's there, yeah, Bryce Young's there, people are talking about Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, but there is not a consensus number one overall quarterback. Does it surprise you that this is the year they said, you know what, screw it, we're going to trade all these draft picks and go all in on it? Yes, because I think Carolina doesn't plan to be in this position in the draft ever again. And that doesn't guarantee that they're not going to be. I think their plan is that they will never have a higher draft pick than they currently do right now. And that was a similar strategy that the 49ers took when they gave up equivalent trade value for Trey Lance back in 2021. It was, you know, we had a ton of injuries this year. We missed the playoff. Our plan is to never be this high in the draft again. Therefore, this is our best chance to move up. And when they made the move, I'm like, oh, they've got someone they've identified as the number one pick. And lo and behold, we found out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's CJ Stroud. And at least it wasn't Anthony Richardson. At least it wasn't someone other than Stroud or Bryce Young. But Carolina probably plans to not be this high in the draft again. And so it makes sense that they would go all in on this year's draft class, given that they have now passed on, I think, three or four big name quarterbacks over the past four years in the draft, including Justin Fields, which if you want to follow the logic on that one, the Panthers passed on Justin Fields. The Bears traded two first round picks to get Justin Fields, and then they traded back two first round picks in order to not draft their quarterback of the future. So it's just a weird way, and it all would have been much simpler if the Panthers had just taken Justin Fields in 2021. Well, if they do believe that this quarterback, whoever it may be, Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis, is better of a prospect than Justin Fields, then it will ultimately work out for them in the long run. When you look at their current roster, though, and we talked about and made levity of their current roster as is, whether it be a Sam Darnold or trying Baker Mayfield last year, or you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago, this purgatory they've been caught in. If it tanks three years, you're probably back in here trying to figure it out and by that point, you're already forgetting about the draft picks that you gave up to get there. If it works in this weekend NFC South, you have an opportunity to take a stranglehold of that division if you just hit on one of these quarterbacks. Frank Reich, you know, this is his first real opportunity to develop a younger quarterback. If we go back to his run with the Colts, you know, it was a lot of veteran guys getting cycled through there. Five different quarterbacks for Frank Reich. He had Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and then you can mix in. In the 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 Sam Ellingers in between that whole process. So yeah, it hasn't been great for Frank Reich in terms of his quarterback acumen in terms of his time in Indy. Carolina's in this interesting place because I understand why they made the move and it doesn't actually look that bad because they didn't give up the premium picks that they... Well, they gave up the premium pick that they got from the 49ers for Christian McCaffrey, but they still have the other picks in the draft. And the thing that makes this different is that I've said for a couple of years now, Carolina is not a great team, even though everyone wants to sell me on how great that defense is going to be or how they have weapons like DJ Moore when I've said for years, DJ 
Moore is better off as your number two wide receiver, but they have a base level of talent. It's not like they're tearing this thing to the ground and they're not going to support CJ Stroud. They have the base level of talent. I think most people would say had they had a competent quarterback under center last year, they would have been a runaway playoff team in the NFC South rather than one that had to compete for the division title till the last week even in a weakened NFC South. Yeah, totally fair points. I mean, they traded Christian McCaffrey and then broke the record for most rushing yards in a game in franchise history between, I think it was uh, Deonta Foreman, who is somehow only like 25 years old. He's like the oldest 25-year-old ever and forgot who the other running back was. Oh, uh, Chuba Hubbard. With those two, they ended up breaking the record for most rushing yards in franchise history against the Lions. So they can make this thing work. They obviously have a new coach who at least exhibits confidence. I don't know if anyone hires a coach that doesn't exhibit confidence all that often, but Frank Reich's coming in as the coach. They've got Josh McCown as the quarterback coach and uh, Jim Caldwell's on that coaching staff now. So, you know, they kind of believe that they can support a quarterback with a base level of talent and uh, at least from a coaching standpoint, a strong organization. Now, of course, Teppers is the owner of the Panthers and Teppers has exhibited the qualities of not being a very good owner so far. We'll see what ends up happening. Happening there, But I mean, if it's going to be CJ Stroud, I think they have the base level to support him. They will have some financial flexibility to uh, sign a wide receiver potentially, because I think uh, Terrace Marshall and Lavishka Sinault are their number one and number two receivers. So they'll find ways to support Stroud. And as the years go on, they will hope to be competitive in an NFC South that, as you mentioned, is Derek Carr is the bar for um, winning the NFC South right now. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us. Let us know in the comments section below what do you think this trade means for the trajectory of the carolina panthers like to hear your thoughts leave a like on the video subscribe to the channel follow us on all our social medias from juju and kyle stay safe happy and healthy we will see you next time bears still suck the bears still suck the bears still suck the bears still suck the bears still suck they really 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 suck yes the bears still suck all the ladies now. Following the news of this trade, how do you think Justin Fields is feeling this morning? Justin Fields is glad that he's the quarterback of the Bears long term, which was never in doubt for me. But some people were saying that they would trade Justin Fields and reset the quarterback clock and go with Bryce Young or some weird shit. I guess he feels good that he's still the Bears quarterback. I mean, part of that logic, too, is, well, you mentioned resetting the quarterback clock, but how often do you end up with the number one overall pick? It was at least the speculation that if you liked any of these prospects better than Justin Fields, which, hey, it's a possibility. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is Josh Rosen by any means, but you can certainly Josh Rosen a quarterback in today's NFL. There's a couple of ways you could read this with uh, Justin Fields. You could say either this is the Bears re-solidifying their confidence in Justin Fields for the next few years, or you could take the angle that this is the Bears putting pressure on Justin Fields to perform as their franchise quarterback as they head into grander contract talks, fifth-year options, all those discussions moving forward. Obviously, you got him a wide receiver in DJ Moore, who has succeeded with a multitude of very mediocre quarterbacks in his career. And you're going to have him with the number nine overall selection coming back to them, so they'll still have a top 10 selection this year. Plenty of opportunity for the Bears to still build out this roster around fields. You still got free agency coming up. What do you think of that angle from it? What do you think about the pressure they're putting on just until it's going into year three. Well, I think it's a matter of perspective. So like if you felt the Dolphins were putting pressure on Tua by trading for Tariq Hill and signing Teron Armstead and doing all that, then that's kind of the truth in terms of putting pressure on Justin Fields. I look at it more as they want to support Justin Fields because they believe that he has shown the potential to be a franchise quarterback. And I think that Dolphins comp is a good comparison for what the 
Bears are doing just like on a lesser level because DJ Moore is no Tariq Hill and Chase Claypool is no Jalen Waddle, but they are kind of trying to do some similar type things. And, you know, I made the joke immediately when this trade happened. I don't know who I trust less to get this thing right between Carolina and Chicago, but if Chicago, the the reason I will lean towards Chicago is just because they're going to get more hits at the board and getting more hits at the board just means better opportunity to land players that will end up supporting your franchise quarterback. So yeah, I I think Chicago made out well when we did our um, Chicago Bears. What are they going to do with the number one pick video back in January? I think I put the number at like 30% that they would keep the pick just based on probabilities. And obviously they didn't just trade the pick. They traded the pick with about six weeks in advance to the draft, which is similar to what Miami did when they flipped with uh, San Francisco a few years ago. Chicago knew they wanted to flip the pick and Carolina met their price tag. And because Chicago has a lot of money, they can just absorb that DJ Moore contract and give themselves a solid one-two wide receiver tandem. Now, Ryan Poles obviously still needs to be able to hit on these draft picks coming up. But when you look at the NFC North, and we know Aaron Rodgers, he's gone. You look at the Lions, looked good last year, showed a lot of promise, but not made men by any means, still have to work their way into the playoffs at some point. You look at the Vikings, who were, well, many would consider frauds in the last year's playoffs. How do the Bears rank amongst that group? Well, I don't know what the Bears are going to look like right now, because the Bears roster is going to be so much different in a week than even it is right now. Well, I'm I'm asking you to analyze kind of like the pieces that we know on the roster. We did see signs of promise from them last year. Their defense towards the tail end of the season, I remember them giving a lot of contenders tougher games. I think that shoulder injury that Justin Fields experienced towards the end of the year kind of hampered him a little bit and his performance. And plus they were rotating between, uh, I believe it was Trevor Sebian and Nathan Peterman at the end of the season. I believe that's a, a thing that happened for the Bears. So as presently constructed right now, the Bears don't give uh, a lot of threat to, uh, say, Detroit, who... I guess is kind of the high watermark in the division now in a weird roundabout way. The thing for Chicago is that they have lots of money, so they will bring in one or two pieces in free agency this week. And they have multiple draft picks on the first two days of the draft. I believe they have five draft. No, they traded one to they have four picks on the first two days of the draft because they traded one to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. I think a lot of their work is going to come to revamp that roster. And similar to the Giants last year, where the Giants got Thibodeau and Evan Neal at the top of the draft. And I mean, they they were a little bit of a fluky team, but they went from a top five pick to making the playoffs this year. Like Chicago, if they get lucky, that's a potential for them. If they bring in, uh, say, a Christian Gonzalez from Oregon to play corner, and then they sign a defensive tackle of some sort in the free agent class this year. I mean, there's potential for the Bears to have a decent team next year. I don't think next year is the year that they make a a worst to first jump like the Cincinnati Bengals. But next year will be a year that potentially gives them confidence that, yes, we will give Justin Fields a five-year extension and we will not look back. Now, let's project the worst case scenario. Let's say that the Bears are back in the top 10 next year. What do you think needs to be done um, moving forward. Do you think that Justin Fields would still be the answer at that point if they're in the top 10 next year? And they might even have a top 10 Carolina pick because the Panthers, for all we know, rookie quarterback, they could suck next year too. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think it would have to happen to to really know what the case would be. Because like, if they get a top 10 pick and Justin Fields tears his ACL, well, that's different than they have a top 10 pick and Justin Fields doesn't look like a competent quarterback. I have faith in Justin Fields because I've looked at him. I'm like, oh yeah, that dude's going to be special for 10 years. Doesn't mean he's going to be one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's going to be worth giving a long-term contract extension to. So Justin Fields would have to do something like really bad in order to mess that up per se. And I hope that the Bears would support him enough to not have a top 10 pick. But if they do have a top 10 pick and two first round picks, yeah, I mean, they would be doing themselves a disservice to not put everything on the table if that event, if that were to happen. Uh, I just don't know. Next year's the Caleb Williams draft too. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And Chicago, maybe they want to play that roulette of quarterbacks again. Although I personally have faith in Justin Fields. That doesn't mean everyone does. And also, like Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields, but he took that job knowing that they had Justin Fields. You know, we'll see what ends up happening there. But if they go six and 11, it's not like they need to hit the panic button and blow everything up. Like this is a team that last year won three games. Yes, they were better than their record suggested because they had a couple injuries and lost some one possession games that they had the lead. But if they go six and 11 next year and Justin Fields puts up the same stat line as last year, it's not a panic button situation at all. They'll accept the fifth year option for Justin Fields and they'll probably give him a a long term extension. And if they don't, then uh, he will be on the path to a long term extension. What should be the goal for them this coming year? Should we set the baseline at leapfrogging the Vikings seemingly in decline? Packers seemingly in decline, maybe being the second team in the NFC North, worst case scenario. If everyone is healthy and they've provided a a stable foundation around Justin Fields, I wouldn't be too worried about the wins and loss record or worried about making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. I mean, granted, if you go four and 13, that's not ideal, but I wouldn't be too worried about the wins and losses because similar to Detroit this last year, If you put up the performance that your team is capable of, the wins will follow. I don't think Detroit was like heartbroken that they missed the playoffs last year. Well, I think that a guy like Eberflus probably needs to start stacking W's too to get some credibility at the head coaching position. Yeah, I mean, he can't afford to have like a a Zach Taylor start with the two and 15 season and then finish with a three and 14 season. I don't think he can do that. But I mean, you mentioned the Lions, the Lions. At least when they hired Campbell, they knew it was a complete teardown job that they needed to build up from. Obviously, they traded Matthew Stafford in his first season being there. Dan Campbell got a little bit of leeway with that one. Iberflus coming in with already a second-year quarterback in Justin Fields at that point, the guy that they drafted to be the franchise guy. So Iberflus, you know, you have to think that his leash will be shorter if they have a rough season this coming year. Yeah, usually we would say like the third year is the year that you got to start showing results. And this is Justin Fields' third season. But in my mind, I kind of throw out his rookie year just because they had like no support system and Nagy got fired. And he said, if I'm going down, I'm going down with Andy Dalton. Yeah, you're mentioning, hold up, don't disrespect Super Bowl champion Matt Nagy there. (laughs) That's right. I forgot Super Bowl champion and soon to be coordinator of the best offense in the NFL, Matt Nagy. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, Chicago Bears. No longer the number one overall pick, but they got a reloaded cabinet of assets. How do you think they'll use them? We'd like to hear your thoughts. If you like the video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.